All right, good morning to you guys. Uh, Wednesday morning, that means it is the 573 report on powermazoo.com, brought to you by 573Ts, your local Columbia, Missouri, Mizzou apparel shop. I've got all sorts of good things, including uh, now a Power Mizzou collection on the site. If you go to 573Ts.com slash collections slash Power Mizzou. Uh, you can get some uh, site gear. This is uh, this is just a, a chance. We we want to give you guys a chance to to kind of represent the site. It's a it's a little free advertisement for us. It's a good t shirt to to work out in or or wear to uh, Mizzou events for you guys. It helps out one of our sponsors. Five seven three ts dot com slash collections slash power mizzou they've got all kinds of other stuff too don't get me wrong we encourage you to uh buy that but we also definitely encourage you to check out the uh power mizzou stuff that actually they're just putting together for us it is in progress not everything is up there yet it's going to be um but just putting some things together for us this week before the start of football season we hope you guys will uh will check that out and support the great people over at 573Ts. You can, again, 573Ts.com online. They are downtown in Columbia in Alley A. They have a physical location, which they've just opened up here in the last few months, so you can check that out. Uh, we hope you do that. And uh, now we are going to get to the meat of the show. That is Mitchell Forty on the other side of your screen. And look, we are, I, I'm just going to say before we get into this, we are working on some audio issues on Mitch's end. They may not be uh, fixed today. We hope they will be fixed uh, by, by next week. But neither one of us are technical wizards unless, I don't know, Mitch, between now and Monday, do you plan to go to some sort of trade school? No, I, my my wizardry is is lacking and probably will not be yeah. bolstered anytime soon. I, I don't really know that I have any category in which I would describe myself as a wizard, to be quite honest. Yeah, that seems like a life goal. I might, might need to work on that. If there's someone that can like certify me as a wizard and something, that'd be cool. I'd rather be like a maestro, honestly. But wiz- I, <laughs> yeah, I would that'd take, be, that's I, a good one. I would take wizard. Um, mm-hmm. So this is kind of the. I guess calm before the storm week. I mean, we're we're out of camp. We're we saw what I think 15 minutes of practice yesterday, and I hesitate to call it practice. I mean, we saw stretching uh, pretty right. much, um, and and we're not in game week yet. So it's kind of that transition week of we need to keep things going and like pretend there's a lot of stuff going on. There's really not a lot of stuff going on. Um, we talked to Steve Wilkes and, and some of the defensive players yesterday. We'll talk about that. But I, I think the big news really was that Tyler Beatty was at practice yesterday after not scrimmaging and uh, and kind of – I don't even want to say limping off. He walked off the field um, and didn't scrimmage. But he was at practice yesterday. So far as we could tell, he did everything everybody else did, at least while we were there. Right. Yeah. A few disclaimers. One, no one was wearing pads. Um, so, you know, even if it, if he was limited, we don't know. And two, we actually didn't watch practice again. We watched them warm up. So um, it's very possible that, you know, once they started a more physical portion of practice, they put a you know red jersey on him and didn't have him participate. But the fact that he was out there is encouraging. Like, you know, Jay Macklin and Mookie Cooper still aren't out there as they're recovering from injuries. They don't they're not just going to throw someone who's who's really hurt out there even on a, a, bit, a day with no pads. So I, I would think that both well for his chances of suiting up September 4th that's actually a thing I like that Drinkwitz does like he has the injured guys they're they're off either getting treatment or doing rehab or something during practice I've always thought it's like cruel and unusual punishment to make a guy who has a sprained ankle stand on the sidelines in 99 degree heat for two hours and 20 minutes 
Right, yeah, and I'm sure, you know, maybe there's parts of practice they're out there for, or parts of things they can watch, but yeah, while the rest of the team is stretching and doing the same position drills they do every single day, there's probably a more effective thing they could be doing with their time. <laughs> for sure. Um, and hey, I do know, uh, again, 9 o'clock on Wednesday is kind of a weird time. Some of you guys have real jobs, but for the for the uh, people that are watching live, if you've got questions, comments, feel free to throw them in the, uh, the comment section, and we will definitely uh, talk about what you guys want to talk about while you're here. Hit the like button on the show, subscribe to the channel all that all those things help us uh tell everybody how uh the two wizards host the mizzou show that you watch and you really enjoyed that uh daniel parker back at practice as well he was sick on saturday he is no longer sick which in this day and age I, sadly is is still an important distinction to be made Yep, yep. He uh, is not dealing with the sickness as uh, Drink was. It, it's a sickness, not the sickness. It, just, it was just a sickness. Same with Connor Baselak. Obviously, he was back Saturday as well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's been a couple injuries um, to, to true freshmen, but, you know, and, and things could still change. I don't want to jinx anything, but it seems like Mizzou has made it through camp fairly unscathed by major injury. Yeah, thus far. And, and they'll have. You know, I don't know. I'm guessing two, three more practices this week, and then then game week. I, I think they'll generally take Mondays off during the season, and, mm -hmm. and then kind of Tuesday get back into uh, into practice. And you know, we're not going to talk about this a lot, but it, but it really did strike me when and and we've got a question about it, and we'll get to it here in a second. But it really did strike me, kind of talking about Parker's situation and the uncertainty with Basilak, like for. Six months now, I think we've all been kind of approaching this, oh man, it's going to be so great to to just have normal college football back. And it's normal-er, but this is not normal. This is not back to 2019 August in the way we were then. Yeah, unfortunately, there's still... Uh... Still some, some things you have to watch out for, some protocols, some uh, lots of arguments to be had yeah. um, about the necessity of it all. And, yeah, you know, we just saw yesterday LSU is uh, mandating fans to show proof of vaccination or a positive – or, sorry, a negative test to, to enter the stadium. So <laughs> you have to show a positive test to get in. <laughs> yeah, that would be that something. Be, yeah, that somewhat unlikely source there. Um, I did not expect we'd see that from an SEC school, but yeah. – there you go. So, yeah, we'll see um, how it goes. Just to answer the question uh, Bryce asked about an update in the team's vaccination percentage. We haven't we didn't talk to Eli Drinkwitz yesterday. We haven't talked to him since last week. We will talk to him today, and I expect that will probably be asked. Yeah, that's definitely something. And, and for people who hear, oh, you're going to ask that and, and get angry about that. Look, it's a very simple reason. Once they get to 85% vaccination rate, like, I don't want to say the rules go out the window. But there's very little chance they're going to have to miss a game. Mm -hmm. if, if they go into the season at, you know, 80% or below, they still have to go through all these protocols and test all these guys, and there's a chance they forfeit a game. So for everybody that gets upset when this is brought up, you're going to be much more upset if it's not brought up and all of a sudden week three, I mean, the worst case scenario would be week three because it's SEMO, right? Missouri doesn't have <laughs> enough guys be, to play. That'd be a tough, that'd be a tough L. Right. And they have to forfeit a game. Now, is that likely? No, I don't think it's likely because they didn't have to forfeit any games last year, but it, they did have to move one. I think if I recall, that was Vanderbilt's fault, not theirs. Um, but the point there, is, there was a, I think there was at least one game where Mizzou was below the threshold, and I forget which one it was. The, well, the Vanderbilt one, they were both in trouble. I don't yeah, know. I, I know for a fact Mississippi State, they didn't have enough guys to play, and they played. 
Right. You know, I mean, they yes, were at like 49 yes. or 50 guys and they played. And I think you can do that this year. Like they'll play every before they forfeit. And I didn't really like the whole SEC thing. If you have to forfeit, you're forfeiting money too. there's too many right. variables. I think that's a terrible way to approach it, but that's what they're doing. So before Missouri gives up a 12th of its TV money, they will play with 11 dudes like <laughs> Jethro Franklin and Aaron Fletcher will suit up if they have to. You know, yeah, I don't want to see that happen, but I mean, that would be interesting I, to cover. Like, if we're if it, you're looking like in like the high school days where you've got you know 17 guys out there and one of them's like a scrub who they don't want right. to play at all, so you've got a bunch of guys you know playing both ways, yeah, maybe like a yeah, a grad transfer, like a, I think Angel Batute is still on staff, he played a while back, he's got some eligibility left, he can suit up, yeah, it, put, put maybe, Kevin Pendleton back at left guard. You know, I um, think he's out of eligibility. If if we go through the and and all the coaches are are out of eligibility, but like Eli Drinkwitz never played college football, so I don't think that dude's playing. That's true. He can't play. He's got, he, right? Yeah. He, well, he's got eligibility then. Right? He's got I mean, eligibility, he's, but he's, I, he's definitely not an amateur. But I'm talking um, skill level. I don't think he can play. Uh, well, not on this. Level. Des- if they get desperate enough, I don't know. Like, I can Maybe. see him throwing himself in there at tight end. Depending on what kind of a mood he's in, I'm gonna ask him that today. Uh, but but like I was thinking about the rest of the staff, like they've got dudes that look like Marcus Johnson looks like he could play offensive line. Casey yeah. Woods kind of looks like he could play right now. Um, yeah, I'm less confident in Curtis Looper due to DJ age. Smith. DJ Smith looks like he could throw on the patch right now. DJ Smith could play. Aaron Fletcher. Aaron Fletcher might be able to play. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, I think he's getting a little further removed from his playing days than some of those other guys. But, uh, yeah, you know who actually definitely could is the strength coach, Zach Woodfin. He's jacked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, Eric Link might be more of a long snapper type. Well, you know, yeah, that's that's the guys he, he I coaches. mean, he is yeah. – right, he's a special teams coach. But overall, I would be willing to bet if they had to go like, – like if you played seven-on-seven seven staff, I bet Missouri would stack up pretty well. Yeah, I think this is actually probably what I'm going to write a, a story on in the coming days is uh, breaking down what position and how, how ready the uh, Mizzou staff is to play versus other staffs I in like the it. SEC. I like it. I mean, yeah. Jethro, Jethro's not young. I don't know that he'd make a great defensive end right now. Yeah, but he has he has the secret of Punchun. Yes, he. Yeah, I mean he, he's got the he's got the towel of of Jethro that would would definitely help him on the field. There's no question. Um, look, sometimes we get to do inside jokes on this show, so uh, you guys don't know what that is. Go check it out. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I mean I could do an entire show on this honestly, but I guess we've got other <laughs> things. Uh, Eric is saying I probably missed this on the board, but should we expect any big defensive scheme changes? And yes, you should expect an entirely different defense um they're going exclusively to a four-man front they're playing a 4-2-5 which Missouri played a fair amount of last year but the biggest change is they are going from playing more man defense than just about anybody in the country to mostly zone defense in the secondary Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the form, you know, kind of four two five base scheme is actually similar to what Mizzou did in 2019. Last year, they kind of went to more of a three man front. Um, but, yeah, they'll have you know, two, defensive, two defensive tackles, two defensive ends up front, two linebackers. And then they're, they're going to have five defensive backs. But instead of Missouri last year had uh, and really each of the last two years had, you know, two corners, two safeties. And that fifth guy was a safety who who played almost linebacker. I mean, Martez Manuel even said to me earlier in camp, you know, yeah, I basically played linebacker last year. I need to play more of a safety role this year. 
So, um, you know, instead they'll have kind of a nickel corner. Although Steve Wilkes did say yesterday that, you know, some of the guys that they have at safety right now can play that spot, which gives them a little bit of flexibility. And then, yeah, you mentioned the zone. Um, you know, he's he's been vocal about that since showing up that he wants to play more zone. I don't know if it'll be zone more often than man, just more zone than Missouri played last season. Um, you know, he thinks that'll allow the defensive backs to get their eyes on the ball more, maybe create some more turnovers. Well, and and uh, the the 4-2-5 really is that's a base defense for almost everybody now. I mean, even in the yeah. NFL because the fact is you don't face offenses that play two running backs anymore. I mean, who lines exactly. up with two guys in the backfield? Maybe Michigan does, maybe Wisconsin <laughs> does. But that's about yeah. it. I mean, everybody else is putting three wide receivers or four wide receivers on the field at a time. And if you've got three linebackers, they are going to find one of those linebackers who's trying to cover a tight end or a wideout and can't do it. So, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I know the, uh, you know, I, I don't follow everybody in the NFL, but like I know the Chiefs are on a 4 2 5. Like, I, I didn't really know what a slot corner was until two or three years ago, and now it is its own position. You know, it's not even cornerback. It's, hey, we've got this guy, but he's a slot corner. He's not an outside right. corner. We don't want to put him out there, but we we like him on the, on this inside receiver. So um, it, it's all over, and it, I kind of laugh at, at this because the best scheme, the best defensive scheme to football fans is the one that your team doesn't run. Because oh, absolutely. for – I bet 16 years on this site, people have begged, well, I don't know why Missouri won't go to a 3-4. And then Missouri went to a base 3-4 last year, and their defense was bad. Or two years ago, maybe. I don't know. But whenever they did it, their defense wasn't very good. And now it's, oh, glad Wilkes is going back to that 4-3. You know, and then... If for years it was, we play way too much soft zone. We got to play press, man coverage, get up on these guys and challenge them. Well, you know what happens when you do that? Ennis Rakestraw and Ish Burdeen, both of whom told us yesterday they didn't have very good years last year, are watching balls fly over their head 40 yards downfield because, look, the defensive scheme, I'm not saying it makes no difference, but ultimately... You need 11 good players, whatever scheme you're running. I mean, you can run a 1-1-9, and if you have 11 <laughs> bad players, it ain't working. The one one nine, I believe that's the formation Missouri ran on the last play against Kentucky in 2018. <laughs> I also believe it's what Barry Odom did against Mississippi State last year. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, um, you know, scheme is obviously it's important to an extent, but there's no, no one's coming up with like a new scheme no one's ever seen before. You know, these are all things that have been done. What, what's going to make a difference ultimately is the level of talent. I mean, you know, if the other team has, you know, George Pickens the way he was playing against Missouri last year, uh, no matter how Missouri is is opting to try to cover him, they don't have anyone who is as fast as him. So right. he is going to catch a lot of touchdowns. Like mm -hmm. it's just kind of that's that's one you know, one of those things about football. It's, I know it's long been debated the Jimmys and Joes versus the X's and O's, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's one where the ultimate answer is more talent. Like like once every forty years, you've got a brand new scheme, right? You had the wing T right. at one point. Somebody <laughs> at some point invented the wishbone. Uh, Buddy yeah. Ryan in the forty six was new. And then, mm -hmm. then Hal Mummy and Mike Leach and the, this spread air raid was new. And that's kind of it. I mean, you know, you can have variations, but but most teams, and, and I thought it was pretty interesting yesterday when Steve Wilkes said, you know, formationally, scheme-wise, most teams are kind of similar. I mean, he basically mm -hmm. said, 
there's not a whole bunch of difference in what a lot of teams do. Now, they're going to run different plays off of different things, but, uh, you know, Alabama's scheme, like, Vandy can run Alabama's scheme, and it's going to look way worse. Right, yeah. Well, it's it's harder when you don't have, yeah, Najee Harris and Devontae right. Smith and Jalen Waddell and, right. you know, John Mechie and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it's helpful. Um, so, uh, okay, got another one from Cam. Uh when the coaching staff decided to move Chris Abrams' drain over to the defensive side of the ball, is that something he likely signed off on, or was it out of his hands? Um, yes, maybe. to yeah. both. I, And I don't know specifically with Chris's situation, but a lot of times a position change is presented as, look, if you really want to play running back or wide receiver or wherever you're at, you can do that. Like, that, that's fine. We brought you here to do it, and you can do it. But, like, we got five dudes ahead of you, and we don't have five dudes ahead of you at cornerback. So, would you like to take a shot at somewhere you can play? Sean Robinson did it. Uh, Chris Abrams drained, and and he's been, to me, the surprise of camp. I mean, a guy that was kind of an afterthought to me, honestly, and now is, I don't know that he'll start, but he'll play. Yeah, I'm actually glad Cam brought him up because uh, everyone we talk to speaks highly of Chris Abrams Strand, which yeah, kind of surprises me. I mean, obviously it's not easy to you know switch positions and suddenly pick up you know defensive back, um, but he, by all accounts he's done it well. Um, I agree. I don't think he'll start, but I think he will definitely be in that regular rotation that Steve Wilkes talked about yesterday. You know, he talked about wanting to go six deep at cornerback and and rotate guys in and out uh, up to the extent that other teams are rotating in and out their receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Chris Abrams Strand will do that. He mentioned him playing in that. Uh, slot corner spot um, I think he, he can play out wide too but I think they're they're kind of zeroing zeroing in on that spot for him um, so yeah kind of a cool little story so uh, they've got six corners really it's Abrams Drain Chris Sheeran Allie Green Caleb Evans Ennis Rakestraw Ish Burdine. I know you wrote about him this morning and look they're all gonna play and, and Ennis actually brought up a pretty good point yesterday that I think a lot of people don't think about like if you've got a receiver that runs a 50-yard post route well, he's going to sub out for a new receiver on the next play. And a lot of times it's the same defensive back covering him, right? So if the next guy mm-hmm. comes in and runs that same route, that defensive back's now run 100 yards in two plays, you know, and, that, and yeah. that's tough on guys. So you like to have more than one. So it may not be the world's most important thing on who takes the first snap, but it is important to these kids. So if you're picking the three starters, who would you say they are? Um. So – I'm still not a hundred percent sure what position all these guys are playing and like where they're, um, you know, or if they can move around that much, you know, Wilkes was a little vague yesterday on if he wants them playing multiple spots and you've seen the team at full 11 on 11 more than I'll just ask you this is who, who's the guys primarily working the slot is Allie Green still there because he was earlier in camp but then yesterday it kind of sounded like maybe he's not Allie Green did both I noticed him more outside on uh okay. on Saturday um yeah you know I'm, I'm, I know in okay. spring Chris Sheeran was was the guy they kind of had at that nickel spot yeah yeah, Less the, earlier in camp, I thought it was Sheeran and Green kind of at the nickel spot, but I think, you know, it sounded yesterday like uh, maybe it's Sheeran and Drain there now. So mm-hmm. I, I will go ahead and, and guess that it'll be Rakestraw, uh, a Caleb Evans, Rakestraw and a Caleb Evans out wide, Chris Sheeran in the slot, and, uh, you know, 
Rake Straw will Rake Straw and Evans will sub in and out with Burdine and Allie Green and uh, Sheeran will sub in and out with Chris Abrams Drain. And yeah, and Wilkes mentioned uh, Jalen Carlis is a guy that can come up and play mm-hmm. that slot too. He's a safety, but he could play mm-hmm. the slot and they could get another guy on the field at safety. So look, you're going to see a lot of dudes out there, especially against Central Michigan, um, especially against Semo all that. So um, we'll get drink wits today and offensive players to be determined. Um, This is a very vague question, but let's say Missouri gets to eight and four, which is what I think we all kind of view as nobody's going to be disappointed. Like seven and five, you probably shouldn't be disappointed, but there will be some who are eight and four. I think everybody would be satisfied with if they get there. Do you think it's more likely because they have an offense that is is carrying them to wins or they have a, a defense that is is keeping them in games and, and winning? Um, I mean, obviously you have to have both, right? right? You can't even – no matter how good your offense is, you can't, uh, you know, give up touchdowns every drive and vice versa. No matter how good your defense is, your offense has to help you out some. I tend to lean towards the offense, though. For a couple of reasons. One, that's just how college football is right now. I mean, you, right. you just, you know, teams are going to score points. And I, I know you've mentioned it before, like the days of holding our opponents to 17 points a game, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Um, and so, you know, you know, I, I think Missouri's defense will probably be a little bit better than last season. But I think the offense has, you know, the biggest room to kind of take a big step. Um, I, I could see the defense having some growing pains with all that they lost and, and you know, a, a new scheme and, and a first year back in college for Steve Wilkes. I think, you know, if Missouri's going to have a successful season, uh, like an eight and four type season, I think it's going to be because Connor Bazelak takes that next step. You know, they find that they have some weapons at receiver they didn't have in the past and they're able to, to you know, win more high scoring games than not. Okay. See, I and I actually think I lean the other way. If, if they're going to get to eight wins, I think it's because – I think at the end of the year, it's more likely that we look and say, hey, they're eight and four because their defense gotten into the country's top 50 than they're eight and four because their offense took a took a leap into the top 50. Um, I just I still have questions, especially about the run game. Um, You know, I saw Saturday night, the defensive line looked good, but I don't know, man, that it gave me a some some hesitation about the offensive line. Like they have a lot more guys, but. I don't know that they have, you know, five that are going to be better than the five they had last year. And that five was up and down. It was a little bit questionable. So if I leaned one way, I'd say it was probably on the defense. Um, I, I Here's where I would lean. I would lean, if I were you guys, to go to 573tees.com. See, I'm getting real good. I'm doing these shows every day. I'm just getting real good at sliding <laughs> into these transitions. Uh, 573tees.com. They present this show. They did it all last year. They're doing it all this year. Uh, the 573 Report every Wednesday is sponsored by 573Ts. You can get them online, 573TEES.com. You go to that address, then slash collections, slash Power Mizzou. You can buy a Power Mizzou t-shirt, and we would certainly appreciate you doing that. want to be clear, the money's not going to us. So this isn't like a sales job to to boost, uh, to, to line the pockets of Mitchell and I. We're already incredibly wealthy and, and doing just fine. Um, so, uh, so you know, just just help out one of our sponsors. Go do that. Uh, get a Power Mizzou shirt over there. Get get any other stuff. Uh, a lot of you are going to be going back to games for the first time in, in a couple of years. So 
You guys need new stuff to wear to games, right? Because it's a fashion show, man. You got to walk in Furrow Field looking good. So uh, go go check them out. Do that. Get to uh, get to a question from Ben, which is a, a recruiting question, and and that's fine. We'll do some of that on here now and again. Um, is Jackson Pruitt a take right now? I I mean I can't say for sure. I haven't asked anybody that. I think so. I mean they offered him. You know it's that it's that uh, he's from Cass Tech. I I think they'd take him, but. Also, I look at his offer list and go, well, I think that's a I think that's a race Missouri should be able to win based on his top six right now. Yeah, like you said, I, I tend to assume most offers are committable unless I'm told otherwise. And I haven't been told otherwise on this one. Doesn't mean that's not the case, but I, I would kind of be surprised if you're, you know, offering a cast tech kid who you wouldn't take. That's a, a school that, you know, you're gonna want to try to continue to have good relationships with. But no question. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um Eric wants to know about talking to Luther Burden Friday night. Um look, we're gonna do I'm gonna do my best. I'm going over to the game against CBC. Um and now CBC does have some guys, uh, Tyler Gant, 2023 defensive lineman does not yet have an offer, but Missouri is, is interested and likes him. Uh, Jeremiah love a 2024 20, receiver, 23 or 24. I think he's 23. I can't can't yeah. remember offhand, but yeah, he's a wide receiver. He does have a Missouri offer. They get a 2024 kid that Missouri's looking at East St. Louis always has guys. They've got a 2023 offensive lineman that's ranked in the top 200 in the country. I'm not sure if he has a Missouri offer at this point or not, but there's going to be a lot of guys there, but obviously yes, the goal is to talk to Luther burden on Friday night. And look, I'll just be honest. There are still people that say, I don't know. I, I keep hearing he's going to do something before he plays a game this year. Now, we've got 57 hours until they kick off their first game. So, who knows? It's possible. I wouldn't count on it. I, at this point, I'm expecting his commitment or his his recruitment to go into the fall. But, you know, uh, hey, I, what I'm actually hoping is that I just walk up to talk to him and he says, hey, yo, will you turn your phone on? I'm going to commit to Missouri right now. And then, hey, that would big be story. Very exciting. That would be my favorite deal. We would, uh, yeah. we, would, we would be big fans of that approach, which is taking less and less these days. That seems unlikely. Um, yeah, you know, I will say you mentioned prospects in East St. Louis. From what I can tell, when they were at Mizzou's campus for that seven-on-seven seven thing, their entire offensive line could play high major football. I, I the mean, largest I don't, collection of high school players I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know if they're any good, but I know they're big enough. They're all 350 pounds. I mean, it's Miles, and, and I forgot about Miles McVeigh at, at East St. Louis, mm -hmm. so we're going to check him out. Um, and, like, he's not even the biggest guy they have. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, that'll be uh, they. And also, uh, Toriano Pride is now at East St. Louis. Now, oh yeah. Now look, I'm sure. not. You know, I I'm probably there's enough guys to talk to that aren't committed to other programs that you know I'm not going to go say so. Hey, are you maybe not committed to Clemson? Like that's not the approach we take. Uh, there's no reason to believe that. So, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time trying to to talk to pride on friday night but he's there there's going to be a ton of talent um i actually talked to cbc uh to their communications guy yesterday and he said show up early because the parking lot's going to be full i said oh i'll be there by six which is an hour before kickoff he said um might want to be there before that like he said there's wow. going to be tailgating and wow. like it's going to be a little bit crazy at cbc so i'm looking forward to that uh covering a game in person seeing what that's like you'll be at north kansas city Hanging out with Dominique Orange and Edric Hill? 
Yeah, I don't think uh, I'm not expecting quite the same level of fervor right. for the North Kansas City Raytown game, but yeah. um, sh- should still be you know a, a chance to catch up with Dominique Orange. It'll be the first time I've ever talked to him. Um, you know, he, yeah. he's not one that, that loves to talk on the phone, so um, yeah, should should be interesting to see what he has to say. Hey, don't underestimate the pride of the Raytown Blue Jays. <laughs> and I believe the North Kansas City Hornets. Hornets. So there you yes. go. I believe uh, Raytown, the alma mater of Alden Smith. Um, oh, nice. Pretty positive that. he was a Raytown product. And then uh, North Kansas City, lesser known names, Jason Palmgren and Terrell Corby. So, wow. Jason Palmgren was Jason Palmgren was a, a starter on the offensive line. Terrell Corby was a defensive end that, that never quite panned out, but everybody was very, very excited about him at, at one point in time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to talk to Drinkwitz tonight and then – Kind of, he'll go on hiatus for six days, and and we'll get him next Tuesday, and it'll be game week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, starting uh, next week, it's time to yeah, actually like prepare to cover a game, do some previews. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's back to work. Uh, we'll spend this Saturday, you know, getting hyped up for Illinois Nebraska, obviously, a <laughs> huge game that has major uh, implications on the national title race. It's it's going to be the most watched Illinois Nebraska football game since like the nineteen. 19- early 1990s no i mean question. like it's it's actually hilarious like it's you know it's a a game i would never watch under normal circumstances but, but i'll absolutely turn it on yeah i mean your dad's covering it i think i, yeah. I heard him yeah say. i think so yeah well and somebody said in somebody asked me in the mailbag they said could we get a worse slate of week zero games like am i supposed to be excited about illinois nebraska i said last year at this time People were excited about Central Arkansas UAB and insulting me personally because I was not. So perspective here. Illinois, Nebraska is like freaking Super Bowl 55, man. Yeah, you only have to look back one year for a worse opening weekend. <laughs> right, exactly. This is the best opening weekend of the 2020s. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll go with that. So, uh, one more time before we go, want to uh, remind you guys, 573tees.com. Go there for all your Mizzou gear, all your power Mizzou gear, all your, I don't know, they'll make uh, your Drake Heismeyer gear, your Realist George gear. They'll, they'll do about anything for you over there. Uh, good people and uh, definite supporters of what we've been doing here, 573 Report comes at you every Wednesday. Uh, we will wrap up this week's shows tomorrow. I'm going to uh, chat with my friend Neil McCready from Rebel Grove. We're going to preview the SEC East, and then, hey, Monday starts game week. So, Mitch, we will uh, see you this afternoon, man. Uh, get get working on that coaching staff 7-on-7 seven seven breakdown. Sounds good. That's my top priority. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. Mitchell Forty checking out, and we will have stuff all day, all week, as we always do for you guys. Once again, 573tees.com. Go there. Right after you go to powermazoo.com, check out all our coverage. Thanks for watching, guys, and we'll catch up with you later.